Wayne Holtz Podcast. Yes, it's long overdue. Oh my god, it's been so long since our last episode, but you know it's always worth the wait. Thank you for hanging out with the Wayne Holtz Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Wayne Holtz Podcast every week. We appreciate you, and we appreciate our sponsors who support us. Now listen, you're going to skip ahead. I know you're going to do it. You're going to fast forward, but don't do it. Our, our listeners need to pay attention to our sponsors because... I chose them for a reason, and they chose me, like Time Wheel. Time Wheel is an independent record label, artistic media platform, and creative studio based in San Antonio, Texas. Founded in 2013 by a collective of artists, Time Wheel's mission is to create and celebrate forward-thinking music, art, and culture. As a label, Time Wheel supports, develops, and distributes work made by independent artists of various mediums, all the mediums, girl, from music and film to animation and emerging digital or analog art forms. Some of Time Wheel's artists include Verisimilitude, Feminine X, Something Fiction, and Dolphin Dilemma, and many more. Make sure to check out uh, Time Wheel and learn more about them and their roster of artists at timewheel.net and use the contact option to submit your work. Also, girl, if you want to just submit yourself to a good meal and a good time, check out La Botanica if you're in San Antonio. If you're visiting San Antonio, if you have family visiting San Antonio or lives in San Antonio, tell them about La Botanica, an all-vegan restaurant and bar, the first full bar and vegan restaurant in Texas at 2911 North St. Mary's on the St. Mary's trip. Girl, from food to live music to events to learning how to fix your car to free yoga, burlesque, they've got it all. You have to check out La Botanica. Follow them on Instagram at labotanica underscore sananto and contact them there or on Facebook if you want to throw your next event there. La Botanica is the place, boo-boo. Yes, so it's been an eventful few weeks. I just got back from uh, the New York City area touring. If you guys are uh, aware of the stuff that I do outside of here, I do pop music. The intro that you hear uh, every week is Black Attack by me, Wayne Holtz, which you can listen to and download for free at wayneholtz.bandcamp.com. Um, instrumentals and the all the... Um, producing done by Bobby Rivas, who we are always so appreciative to. So I just got back and uh, it was a beautiful and relaxing experience. So glad to have been able to spread the word of Wayne and what I'm doing and really just get uh, some inspiration for, for whatever's next. So it was a beautiful time up there. Girl, the shows were real. It was beautiful. And for here in San Antonio, it's actually awesome. Um, I am about to release my CD. I'm not sure when this episode will come out, but if it's before August 4th, come to Limelight on August 4th. I am releasing my CD, and I will be joined by Voodoo Boogaloo, who is also returning from their tour. They were in Europe, so you, girl, you know they are ready to go. Terra Ferna is going to be there. Um, Reina Rivera, who I love and I would love to work with. You have to get you have to get down with Reina Rivera, girl. She's got the soulful pop, and she's got the youthful attitude that we need, so check her out. And then, of course, opening the show is Marijuana, so you know girl you know what to expect from that oh that is limelight um besides that you know i've just been catching up on life and getting getting back to my roots with my dogs and the the podcast world that really brought me into podcasting in in general um i 
actually started re-listening to the Joe Rogan experience, which is the first podcast that I I really got into and showed me the world of podcasting. It's literally the tits. You never know who Joe Rogan's going to have on from scientists to sexologists to celebrities to just his friends, uh, his mini comedic or, or MMA friends, um, UFC you know, all those fighting people. So just check out the Joe Rogan experience because it really is a very nice, seamless um, podcast with so much information. It's kind of boundless. I really, I really love it. Um, and then besides that, just catching up and booking new guests. Cannot wait to have our guest call in today. Um, it's going to be a good one, girl. He is literally on a secret project right now, and we're going to be catching him on the streets of New York City. Uh, we do have Memsor, Memsor, who is the head stylist on the Wendy Williams show, as far as, and also just um, Wendy's stylist in general. He just follows her around. <laughs> That's what he's been doing all day today. So we're excited to talk to him. We're excited to be back with you guys, and I just really want to say thank you to not only everyone that listens to the podcast, but um, everyone that supports me and um, supports my career. You know, I quit my job at IHOP around. A year, a year and a half ago, um, half part of the reason was because it was driving me insane. If you guys know me, uh, there was a completely different way in working at that IHOP and a very rude one, I would say. And so, I just had to leave um, to find a place where I could feel more comfortable and um, feel like I was actually contributing to something and doing what I wanted to do. And um, I definitely work hard to do all of those things, and I work hard to keep my music out there, to keep my photographs out there, to keep to keep the community going. Um, but I couldn't do that without said community, and all the people that have supported me and given me opportunities to to work. the The chance to work is very important, and so I um, don't want to have another episode without really, really dedicating, you know, everything I do to everyone around me. Um, you know, if you ch follow me on social media, uh, at Wayne Holtz underscore on Instagram, and then just Wayne Holtz everywhere else, uh, I end all of my posts with hashtag House of Holtz, H-A-U-S, um, a house or a house, H-O-U-S-E, um, are, are art collectives, they're fashion collectives, they're, they're groups of people that um, produce things together. And um, when I tag everything House of Holds, of course, it's um, everything that's just uh, that comes out of me, whether it be my artwork or my music or my photography. But also the, the house is you guys, you know, um, you are the house. You are what inspires me. You make me do what I want to do and what I, I need to do to to survive and be happy. And so I just want to thank my house in general and um as, as well that's all for that <laughs> and so stick around um we've got coming up right now he should be calling in momentarily mr memsor of the windy williams show so we will be back right after this cute break but while while we take our break let's check out girl you know I've always got the jams for you. Here's another one from me, Wayne Holtz. Here is Bored on the Dance Floor. Get out of your corner. How are we gonna meet you if you refuse to come over? We love to get to know you. You're dancing, 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 dancing. 
Something a little bit bold is, and actually just necessary, is making sure your mouth is in the right place, girl. That's why I'm so grateful to Inuctus from for supplying me with another great product, um, their activated charcoal toothpaste. They make it with an Ayurvedic, no, let's sound this out, Ayurvedic spice. I love it. Blend and is known to fight gingivitis and reduce dental pain. It's perfect for sensitive teeth and can be and can whiten within two to three days, bish. I've been using it and the teeth are whiter. Not as white as Memsors, our guest coming up, but girl, they're pretty white. Also, once a week, you can apply a thin layer to the face as a mask for a few minutes until it dries and just rinse it off with water when you're done. This will improve circulation, cleanse your pores, and detox your skin. That's another great product from Inuctus. Make sure to check them out at iloveinuctus.com and on Facebook. They will ship to you, girl. Inuctus. And this, again, was Bored on the Dance Floor, which you can download and listen to on my Bandcamp, wayneholtz.bandcamp.com. Madam. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Lovely. I will let you know that we are recording, full disclosure. Um, and That's I ha- <laughs> totally fine. If you don't mind the street party that seems to be going on in Union Square. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, I'm so used to call-in guests, so background noise is normal. And I do have to apologize, Mim For some reason, I, w- I thought that New York was two hours ahead and not one hour ahead. So you were actually per- no worries. So you were actually perfectly on time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, I was wondering because I never really kind of I know obviously LA and what have you, but all the ones in between. Not to be shady, but I never know how much time difference there is. So I just assumed that you meant for my time. And the fact that I was in the restaurant, I was like, you know, let me at least give them a heads up. It's just been a bit of a manic day on what's supposed to be my hiatus, but it's fine. <sighs> I'm here. Hi. Oh, I love it. So we're speaking uh, of a manic day. Of course, we're speaking with, so my audience knows, Mr. Memsoa. Yes. I'll give a love thank you. Clearly, you can't say it. My name Le- is Memsoa Kamarka, and I'm a wardrobe stylist and 
you know, just men about town. Google it. You'll see what I've done. Yeah. I'm not really trying to say everything. <laughs> Google it, bitch. That's funny because I actually... <laughs> Google me, baby. Silly. I was going to I was going to say your last name, but it's funny. I almost think you, you really don't need one. I mean, you, you are part of the exclusive club online of social media people who <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter do, don't even have... It's just your first name, Memsor. Listen, when you have a name like Memsor, you try to... Like, I remember growing up, it was one of those things where you kind of grow into your name. My older brother's name's Max, so he just had the easy, simple name. My parents are from Sierra Leone, and then they rustled up Memsor for me. And I guess at the time when I was growing up, it was like a little heavy and like, oh, I want to be called... I actually wanted to be called... No, I haven't told this story out loud. I wanted to be called Jeremy. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but then I've kind of grown into the name and listen, it, it makes it easy for email addresses, Instagram. <laughs> um, although someone on, on, what was it that took my name? Snapchat. Could you find out who this person is and <laughs> eradicate them? I will. Please. I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. I'll send a, and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I'll send an ungodly amount of dick pics to him until he decides to, to Please, change it. Please, who's this with my name? So then once he gives it up, let me know how I can snap it up. I will definitely let you know. And so how, okay. So where did you, where did you even start? Because tell me about where you grew up, Memsor, and how you made the transition to New York. Okay. So um, my parents, were diplomat. Well, my father was a diplomat working here in New York, so I was actually born here in New York, which is a part I've told a million times. But I guess when I have this this transatlantic <laughs> this transatlantic accent, um, people kind of assume that you were born elsewhere. Um, I was born in New York and didn't grow up here. My father ended up moving, and we lived in Germany. We lived in Russia lived in London, and then moved back to Sierra Leone for a bit. Um, went to school in all of those places. Actually lived in the north of London in Grimsby, which that's another nugget not many people know. So if you know all of these places, there's different influences on my, my sound, on just culture in general. Um, and then I ended up moving back to London. Uh, I can't, I, years, like time is such a relative thing. I, I don't even know what years these were. <laughs> i.e. I'm really old. Oh, but, no. But... <laughs> you can't be older than 25, I'm sure. <laughs> I know, looking at my skin, you couldn't think I was older than 25. But I think, yeah, so what ended up happening was I went to, I moved to London to go to college for computer engineering and then ended up just following my heart into um, just fashion. My mother was a seamstress, so I would kind of go to bed with her her sewing and wake up to a dress. So the idea of creating stuff and, and having ideas in your head and coming up with, with these creative um, expressions of such, whether it's a, a puff sleeve or a, a beautiful lace hem, I was always intrigued and enamored by it. But I then my first career was at the Gap. Oh. I left um, school, exactly. The Gap had just moved to London at the time. Uh, so I went in, saw a sign in the window, applied and got a job. It was sales. And then I moved into creative. So I was doing windows, but it was like a lot more creative than the windows that they're doing here in the States that they had wind machines and, and the mannequins had leaves. Uh, no, the wind machines were blowing leaves in the window for the fall. So it was kind of cool. And then I, was, I remember there was one brainwave one day being like, oh, if I can dress a mannequin, then I can dress a human being. Didn't have any idea of the idea of a career of styling or what have you. But 
um, I then used to read Vibe magazine, like religiously was obsessed with, with it and would run to the news agents every month making sure it came uh, and they'll make sure they save a, save a copy for me. So would read the byline of Emil Wilberkin, who was the, one of the stylists at the time. Uh, and I think it was one of the editors, but I wasn't sure in what capacity. Long story short, having followed his career for quite some time, I remember saying I was going to move back to New York. And when I say back, obviously I wasn't raised here, but being born in New York informed my identity wherever I lived across the world. I loved the idea that I was uh, a New Yorker by birth. So the idea of then moving back to the city where I was born and discovering it, even though I had very European and one, some would say English sensibilities, having lived in London for so long, I always knew when I was in London, I was someone other. When I was in Sierra Leone, I was someone other. Everywhere else, I was someone other. So the idea of New York being the place that accepted all sorts of people, no matter how different they were, again, ticked off many boxes and in terms of its appeal. So I then bought a time out in New York, uh, maybe the week before leaving for New York, and came across an article where they profiled Emil, and it was like a day in the life. And started with the morning, what he did for Brecky, all the way through to him going on these showroom appointments, and he was listed as the market editor. And I remember saying, that's what I want to do. I'm going to go to New York and become a market editor. Um, came here, and then obviously there was a few stops in between that. My first stop was Vibe, uh, not Vibe, was... Ralph Lauren. So I got a job at Ralph Lauren and it was a sales job. Actually, first of all, I started as a cashier, then moved to sales, then management, high-flying. And I then... It's a whole long story. I know it's long-winded. Oh, I no, I love... <laughs> I love long-winded. <laughs> and anything you can do to make my job easier, I love. Now, you... you <laughs> I know. Now, <laughs> I just, I've, I've told this tale so many times, it kind of rolls off my tongue. And coincidentally, I'm actually sitting with my old assistant slash market editor slash... How many positions do you have? Janelle Grimmond, who worked with me at Vibe. So her hearing me tell this tale is like, uh, let me know if I'm getting anything wrong. Yeah, okay, it's so funny. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, I then ended up sending my resume. There's actually Michael Carl, who's the, the fashion director at Vanity Fair now. We all worked together at Ralph Lauren at the time. So he had left for Paul Wilmot and he would call me like maybe every other day or once a week to kind of say, listen, I don't know how I got myself into this predicament with this fashion thing. You know more about this stuff than I do. <laughs> so if any fashion position opens up, I'm going to call you and let you know. And word to the wise, the first job he called me for was to assist Mary Alice Stevenson. And at the time she worked for, I think it was, no, Marie Claire. Mm. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't used to the idea of this New York pace that you always needed to be on your P's and Q's. And by the time I sent my, my CV, as I used to call it, resume in, the job was gone. And I knew that that wasn't going to happen to me the next time, so this thing was ready. So when he called and said, oh, I know the girl at Vibe, Angela Rambulo, is looking for an assistant. Do you want to send your... By the time he said that sentence, my resume was in. I was like, here you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so I went to meet her in a driving rainstorm. I remember being soaked from the sternum down to my ankles, <laughs> but that hard work and persistence paid off because she absolutely fell in love with me. And as she walked me down the corridor to go meet her boss, imagine my surprise when I open up the door and it is Emil Wilbekin. Um, who wow. has now been promoted to the editor in chief. So it's one of those full 
for Soka Moments. Actually, the bit I didn't say that was in between, and running around town in New York City, I'd actually had the opportunity to run to run into a meeting meal, and um, he ran up to him, introduced myself, and I was introduced by who? Quandus Mitchell, who was a man about town at the time, and at the time, to me, like, I'm, at the time, yeah, like he's now moved to Miami and doing things, but um, at the time, like you wouldn't throw a stone without running into to Quanus doing something somewhere. Google him too; he, you'll see why. Uh, yes. <laughs> We're making. No I'm making a so, list for the audience. Listen, anyone who's listening to this knows that whenever I tell a story and all that, I can do the teacher thing and break down every single detail, or I can be the person who's going to tell you stuff, and it's interactive. You have to do some work, homework. I can't spoon-feed every detail to you. And hopefully it keeps you interested and hopefully it gives you incentive to do, like, put those phones down. If you're using them for the Instagram for everything else, you can use it to find out a little more research. I mean, I can't give you all of it. It's like, it's an interactive learning tool. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the internet, one, okay. of the, one of the best tools about the internet is is the fact mm -hmm. that it is a search engine. But when you speak of your, your career at Vibe, um, you did have also the pleasure while you were there of uh, styling and working with uh, then-Senator Obama, but President Obama, yes. Yes. Um, I did work with uh, then-Senator Obama at the time. He was running for office. But as I said, with my career at Vibe, I started at the very bottom as a fashion assistant so kind of worked my way up worked my way from fashion assistant to market editor to i can't remember other positions i had but then ended up becoming the fashion director after many many changes um in personnel and kind of worked my way up through all different types of management styles and what have you so i kind of formed the way i wanted to be when i knew i was going to take over the helm I wanted to be the person that would pay attention to the lowly assistant that I was at some point and make sure that they at least knew what was going on and equip them with the skill set to one day. If I knew that I came from fashion assistant to becoming fashion director, it was my responsibility to make sure that those who came after me were also prepared should the opportunity arise. And it's something that I've done ever since, really, just to make sure that those who come in, we cross paths. I'm learning as much from them as they are from me. Um, and that also extends to the people that, that I work with. I had the opportunity to work with, you could say it's Beyonce, it's Brandy, it's, it's uh, uh, Senator Obama, but all those names are like the, the bold-faced names. I learned from the intern to the photo assistant. I learned from all these folks along, uh, along the path because all these people had something to teach me, not just the fact that whether you're a celebrity. Do you know what I mean? Yes, of course. So and people tend to focus on those folks, and obviously it was fantastic. Um, I wrote um, President Obama a letter when he left office and recounted the story of when we met on set. And funny enough, just uh, two days ago, I got a response back from him. To have that, that's more important to me, I guess, than the idea that he's the president and what have you. But just the idea that someone took the time out to write a note based on the work. He doesn't know me other than that one time we met. But based on the work I did, it meant, meant something. That means a lot more to me than who they are, if you know what I mean. That's kind of a weird thing to say. No, yes, definitely. I think um, even myself, I focus a little bit too much on the, the bigger personas. But it really is the... Uh, a, as Wendy says, a well-oiled machine, and, and all the oil and the wheels have to work together. So how did you um, take that hard work and your, your tenacity and 
use that to get your current gig, your job with Miss Williams, Miss Hunter, excuse me. <laughs> Mrs. Hunter. Mrs. Hunter, thank you yes. very much. Um, the, the, who I actually just left, um, even though I'm on hiatus and not supposed to be back at work until until August 28th, um, the little bat phone rang and she's doing a project today. I'm just like, listen, okay, I'll come in and help out. So I actually saw her earlier today. Um, but how did that happen? She was on the hunt for a new wardrobe stylist, having started with a stylist um, for the first three seasons. And Morel Hollis, who's her makeup artist, was someone I've booked for Vibe many a time. Um, he at the time was mostly into male grooming. So it was just kind of like a pact. I love working with him, love traveling the world with him. Um, so worked with him throughout those years. And again, it was a full circle moment that when he was now working at Wendy and the position arose, he kind of sent us texts and was like, hey, would you be interested in doing this job? And truth be told, at the time, I was kind of like, no, not really feeling TV or not really feeling Wendy. Um, well, but I was always taught especially having that experience of missing that opportunity to work with Mary Alice, who coincidentally now I know, and she's a really, really cool pal. Um, but I was like, you know, let me go take this meeting and see what happens. Uh, two seconds into the meeting, I met her on her birthday. Um, she was a few drinks in. <laughs> <laughs> tiara, <laughs> Tiara a little crooked. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 she wasn't doing tiaras in those days. Oh, no. So a, yeah, I remember she had on a pencil skirt and these, hot pink like neon bubblegum pink um manolos and a mm. white t-shirt that was knotted at her waist yeah that i remember the outfit but um walked into the restaurant and she remembered that i'd gone to visit morel once when they were in la for the emmy she was like you're the guy by the swimsuit in the no by the pool in that tiny white swimsuit so i was like that is i and <laughs> that's what we talked about <laughs> that's what we talked about um, and that money that I paid to go to L.A. that time when I was freelancing after Vibe and shut down um, was like the best, I think, three fifty I'd ever spent because it was almost like an immediate uh, connection. And she didn't ask to see my book. She didn't ask to see any images. She just took Morel's word for it and trusted that I had some sense about me. Well, <laughs> and she, she seemed, that was it. She seems to have, I mean, well, she does have an incredible uh, natural instinct, I would say, and... Uh, just knows exactly what she wants. Um, so I could see her almost feeling your vibe and just trusting in you and, and, and trusting you all over, all over the years, because, uh, I wouldn't say that her style has evolved necessarily, but it's constantly changing. And so, so many elaborate looks that I can't, and you say you came in after the first three seasons. Now I remember the first three seasons, Memsor. And they, <laughs> they, Be nice. of course, Be of nice. course. No, I loved it. I love I love her persona always, you know, but just seeing a, a different take on it with what you what you see her as. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so, well, I think. Go ahead. Thank you. Yes. Um, I think. Sorry to, to cut you off. It's funny because I'm not sure if I heard you say that her style has evolved, or because it definitely has evolved. Um, because I think the the biggest thing, and one the listeners out there must realize that I came from magazines where, listen, we plan our editorials months in advance. I can have an idea in my head and can pretty much see it fulfilled on paper by hook or by crook. I'm hiring models that will fit the samples, so this theatrical idea or outlandish idea in my head could be fulfilled 
even if I had to duct tape the back and pin and what have you, you know what I mean? No one was seeing that. It was fantasy. So the sample could be two sizes too big and I could make it work, what have you. And the models do as they're told and pose and look fierce and fantastic. Great. I then had to go to dealing with not only someone who is larger than sample size, someone who clearly isn't a model who's standing there with a with no opinion, someone who's quite opinionated, as you know. And then in addition, um, someone who these clothes had to do more than just look good from the front or look good on, on, on paper. This is someone who's moving, bobbing, weaving. The camera goes around 360 and ultimately has to feel good in what she's wearing in order to do a job. So the clothes were there more, rather than where, where I was before, it was the whole cake and, and it was nothing but the, the clothes first and foremost, and that was what you're trying to put forth. Ultimately, at the end of the day, my clothes are just a little bit of the season that goes into Madam having feel comfortable to do her job. So I can tell the first few seasons of me being there, it, there were conflicts because it was me, okay, maybe trying to dictate or do the whole fashion thing about these are the rules and this is what's in and out. But there's certain trends that can't work on, on, on Madam. There's certain trends that can't work on, on TV. There's certain prints that can't go on TV because the, the, the TV mores. There's certain colors. We tend not to wear green because there's a lot of green screen work that sometimes needs to happen. So the idea of changing her afterwards doesn't... I know I say things and I go with this stream of consciousness, but for me, it's just this idea that I want the folks out there to realize that even a professional like me coming in, there were mistakes made first when I got in, but the evolution has now happened because not only the trust that she has for me, but it's me also learning that at the end of the day, you can't just trust up a woman in these outlandish creations that you see coming down the runway and expect them to do. Like, I, we all love them, do you know what I mean? And yes, it's fierce and flicks and what have you, but the idea that there's someone who has to feel comfortable because they have to do a job. They're bankers, they are, they are uh, TV hosts in my case, but there are many other things. You can't just have these things as flights of fancy and people can't actually wear them. And that's what this job has forced me to do more, look through, through a more sort of like realistic lens. And she's helped bring me to that, that place. I love it. And just to, to let my audience know or remind them, we're speaking uh, we're speaking with Memsor, and just Memsor, by the way, like Madonna. And, <laughs> and, and she, 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 you're just as big of a star. But, um, and, and I have a, I have a fabricated actor. Yes. <laughs> Who is the, the stylist and head stylist for um, Wendy Williams. And, not, and, Wendy, <laughs> and Wendy Williams, just so our audience knows, because not everyone is fully familiar, um, Wendy Williams was a very highly acclaimed radio host for years and uh, eventually got her own talk show and now she's in syndication. Yes. She's been on for nine years. You're about to go into season nine, I'm sorry, right? Or ten? We're, we're going into season nine, but she had a sneak, sneak peek. So yeah, we're, we're starting our ninth season. Um, and and so, yeah, to those who don't know, Google and see. Google. Again, do your homework. But or ask a friend, because somebody knows who she is. Somebody knows. <laughs> I mean, I'm obsessed. Somebody I listen I listen to, because all of her radio interviews are, are on YouTube. And I got to tell you, I am just fascinated with the woman's um, cre creativity, on-the-nose responses. And uh, yeah. and so how does that sassiness play into, because you, you don't just style her on the show. You follow her around to various projects or in a nightlife and it so do you have fun styling her in a more um in some more exotic looks let's say 
Yes. I think the job that we did today with Shopping Fair, I can't say what it was, was an opportunity. That's actually one of the reasons why I decided to break my hide and go in. It was an opportunity to style her in something just different than what we do for the talk show. The talk show, there's 180 shows per season on average. And as you, you alluded to before, we kind of play around with the looks. Listen, we try something, and if it works, it works. There's some days that she looks extra fantastic. There's other days that we're like, oh, we tried and it didn't work. But there's a sort of, like, um, um, how would I say, uh, formula of sorts, but then also a kind of uh, guideline in terms of what we can and can't do. Not too much cleavage, certain colors, as I mentioned before, what have you. When there's an opportunity to do something outside, like we got a lot of critical acclaim for her outfit at the white. She had an all-white outfit at her block party. Um, what else? The stuff that I did for today. There's things that are outside the regular stuff that we do that... The best part about it is, whether it's for the show or outside, Madam has such a very clear opinion about what she likes and doesn't. So I never have to leave at the end of the day thinking, oh, maybe she likes that. On show, I hear it immediately. And going back to the trust, there are times when we try something that maybe is outside of her comfort zone because left to her own devices, Madam would wear something short, tight, and go out there and be done with it. I have encouraged her to try different silhouettes, different styles, and surprisingly, again, in the trust, her trusting me, she'll go with it, and su- she surprises herself, being like, I didn't think I'd love it, or it didn't look great on the hangout, and I like it. Or, hey, we tried that, and please never bring anything like that ever again. <laughs> again. So yeah. you find a place where... where you now know I can go into a store, given five minutes supermarket sweet style, can run out with 20 items that I know will work and that she'll love. The dress that she wore today, she didn't see it until she walked into the studio today because I said we've been on, on, on the holiday. So she saw it and absolutely loved it. Minor pinning, minor adjustments. And she's like, I want to wear this dress on our show if possible later on. To have that, that's a great success for me, knowing that you know your clients inside and out. That said, there are days when she'll want to dress herself or wear something that I don't highly approve of. Those days, no one knows the difference whether or not I did it or not. So I'll get people hitting my Instagram up, accusing me of dressing her in some god awful <laughs> thing. That's just, that, that's just it's par for the course. You know, I don't respond much on that damn thing anyway. So yes. have at it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I really do love the the transformational aspect to it all because, um, I mean, the with. I think it was two weeks ago when you guys finished filming, uh, she was wearing the Eliza J dress and with the, the sleek wig, it was a, a white, black and, black and white dress. And I mean, the, that transitional, from that to some of the more saucy, sexy, um, more revealing outfits that you guys slip in every once in a while, it really is a way to just constantly transform and reinvent her. Now, do you style um, your dresses with the wigs? This is a question I've always thought about. Um, well, yes, we're a team. I think... Being able to play around with, with the different different uh, silhouettes, whether it be, first of all, it's the different wigs, wig silhouettes. Robin, who has taken over from the dearly beloved Antoine, um, has come in with a few new different uh, wig styles. And it's a collaboration. What Morel does is pretty much tried and true and brings out the beauty of, of her face. Robin also tries different, Robin actually hands, oh, not hands, she sews with the machine these different style wigs. So it's a five-minute conversation in the morning. I put out the outfits um, before Madam gets in, and there's like three options. 
And it could be anything from her suddenly saying, I don't want to wear anything sleeveless today or I'm feeling a little under the weather. Can I have something which covers my arms? Or, or hey, this guest is coming. We don't necessarily get dressed for guests, but he's cute. Let's wear something a little sexy. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what I mean? so you get those little notes of the text you first in the morning. But Robin has to be able to kind of turn on the dime and have something that goes with any of the, the options that Madam chooses. So there's a little bit of a collaboration, but it's one of those that we've had this happen maybe I think twice this past season where we've had an outfit and two minutes before going out, I think if you go back, you'll be able to see, two minutes before going out, a zipper bust or she gets makeup on her dress and we have to change the dress right then and there. You can't change the wig at the same time. So having mm. a range of things that have been um, tried on, altered on, on, on decks should anything arise makes it easy for us at the end of the day you can't be suddenly changing a wig just because i changed the dress the hair is supposed to kind of go with everything but again the comments that we get under a lot of the, the tweets and the instagrams that we post there's people who have differences of opinions and i actually do encourage that the fact that we don't just do one it could be very easy for me to phone it in here's a twin set here's a pencil skirt here's a heel and do that time 52 do another wrap dress times 34 and collect the paycheck. <laughs> it's, I like the idea of going out, trying new stuff, seeing the season trends, trying stuff. At the end of the day, if it doesn't work, it's not worth the debate that I see going on under the, the Instagram post. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I hope that next day you'll tune in to keep watching. And I hope that next day you'll understand that it's a job like any other. There's good days, there's bad days. And I'm hoping it just keeps you interested. Just keep watching. We want to get to season 20. I've got a condo to buy. Yes. <laughs> you guys will definitely be on season 20. And I have to say, probably one of the easier days for you, uh, though I'm sure it was uh, a fun party backstage uh, earlier this season when Wendy showed up uh, minutes before she was supposed to to go on. I mean, I was gagging. I was loving it. Oh, the I, one when she came with that coat? Yes, the coat and the purse. The fact that, <laughs> that she brought her purse the, out, the too. Glasses, yeah. It was so and good. It, 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 <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I, it's almost like I have a focus group of, of my friends. That, there's certain friends that just have to text an emoji. So in the morning, there's days where they're like, oh, we can tell the days you, had, you got your hands on her. There's days <laughs> I can tell that she put up a bit of a struggle. And that day, I remember it being just uh, <laughs> a chorus of people just like question marks. But not just like the regular question marks, like the, the red emoji <laughs> question marks further down at the end. And I'm just like, listen, at the end of the day, it's her name on the marquee. Do you know what I mean? I can, a stylist is there. And when there's great stylist partnerships, You've seen it on the red carpet. Michaela Erlanger, who does who does Lupita Nyong'o, always seems to hit it out of the park. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's certain certain collabs where you look at what Ty Hunter did with Beyonce, and obviously now she's moved on to other folks. There's, there's people who bring out the best in their clients. My client, again, as you know, has a mind of, of her own, and sometimes she chooses to do what she wants to do. And that day was one of those days where I just literally had to throw my hands up and be like, I'm still getting paid at the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting that but condo, goddammit. But listen, at the end of the and I really not to just boil it down to that, it's a fun show. And that really was what happened. It was the choice of either having a, a rerun or not having time to change where she wants to go on. Come on, you tune in that first day. That's not going to make you turn off. If anything, that's going to make you want to tune in the next day. And seeing the contrast of 
her wearing her own clothes and then the next day she's gussied up and one day it's something new and the other day it's something that she's worn four times before but we just changed the belt and shoes. Another day it's something that she's had in her closet that we altered. It was a dress that we made in a skirt. That's, for me, how I know that real women dress. Like, I don't know a woman who throws her whole closet out every season the way Vogue or Elle might have you do by reading them. It's like people tinker, people kind of edit, people layer. So, as I said, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the idea of trying something and not staying stale hopefully encourages women out there to do do the same. Um, And we've now parlayed that, obviously, into... Like, we've distilled a few of those into her HSN clothing line. Mm. So it doesn't bring me much more joy than when we see someone in the audience who clearly loves her style enough to go and purchase one of those wrap dresses or one of those skirts and all of that. Yeah, they're on sale for twenty nine ninety nine, and you can pay it in three easy installments. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that... <laughs> the idea that it was someone who was moved enough to say, Madam Style made me go do that. To anyone who was watching when she first started the show, no one could have really imagined that. So, nah, who cares if you didn't like it? I saw there was an army jacket that she wore the other day that someone was like, eh, not one of her best looks. Well, that army jacket sold out at HSN. So, what yeah. do I really give you, the viewer or the bottom line? I told you, I'm focused. I got goals. The bottom line, <laughs> the bottom line is where it's at. And I, you know, I have to speak about one of the other fun parts of the show. Of course, I love you. Of course, yes. I adore Mrs. Hunter. But one of my favorite parts of the show has got to be Suzanne. Can I just have you tell me a little bit? <laughs> Suzanne, for the the listeners, uh, is the executive producer of the show. And she also stands in as the um, the, the hype girl for the show. <laughs> Yeah, like we have a hype man whose name's Marco, but Suzanne is then just kind of like, like on the floor, but it's kind of evolved into a position where she encourages the audience to to clap or have an opinion and what have you. And it's kind of become uh, a well-recognized de facto member of the on-screen team. It's like a, a little duo of sorts. I, um, Suzanne I, is a scream. She really, I mean, I can tell that I would She's, fall in love with her. <laughs> She's a scream, like an absolute sweetheart, but then more importantly, it's like so fantastic at her job. So what you see by the time you guys tune in is her like letting her hair down. The jobs are almost done and she has to just get through the day. And then she goes back to her office and there's emails to send to follow up on. There's what have you. She has a full time job. So her on air responding to madam and and talking to the audience is the i guess the most fun part of her job but what you see is really what you get she's as kooky and as zany and and sometimes the jokes fall flat and you're like i don't quite understand but it's <laughs> one of those things where, where, where listen if you were to appeal suzanne's just one but one of the people behind the scenes there's more than one like John Anderson, who works in in the the maintenance and and behind the scenes department, there's Michael Lee Smith, who works in, in Michael Lee. Is it Michael Lee Smith? Yeah, Michael Lee. And he works Michael Lee Scott. Sorry, I knew it wasn't Smith. He works as art art director. Each and every one of these people could have a, a camera follow them and have their own reality show. It's a mix of personalities. I often say a potpourri of personalities. So each one is the oh, thing. That's so but good. All together, it comes together in such a fantastic way. And and each of one of each and every one of them, obviously with the icing of the cake being madam, 
contribute to a well-oiled machine and a fantastic, hopefully well-running, long-running show. Long-running. And we get to see a, a, a lot of behind-the-scenes. Um, just so the audience knows, you can always check out the after show on YouTube, which um, Memsora is frequently on. Do you get recognized because of that? As, not as frequent as off Epic Oh. Well, I answer. I would say what you were going to say, but also I was going to say, do you get a recognition from that normally? Because the after show was bumping. <laughs> well, I'm currently sitting in the middle of. Well, I'm sitting at a restaurant on Union Square, and somebody just waved. So I guess I do get recognized. But it is a weird type of thing where I never quite realized the scope of what I was stepping into. And I remember going to Singapore, maybe the first first break after working there. I'd only been there working a few months. Um, and I was telling my best friend about, oh my God, I work for this crazy lady and what have you. And she does a <laughs> show and was in the mall, Singapore, just right the night before. And someone was like, Memsor? And we both turned around incredulously, like, what? And he's like, oh my God, I love you on the after show, what have you. So we ran away chuckling, like, wow. So there is a global reach. And with the accent and the hair and the fact that I'm always, more often than not, always in denim and a red sneaker, kind of highly. Um, <laughs> recognizable but this is new york some people might come over say hello some people don't give a rat's ass they need to get what they're getting and step out my way um but i think just new york globally what have you people might say hello or you have people say hey i saw you at the restaurant and might send a message on instagram i encourage people to come over if you fancy say hello if you don't if you've got things to do don't i don't really i've never be. i love the support i really really do but i think what i love more is just the idea i hope that people are uh, get some sort of insight into how hard she works, how hard we all work, quite frankly. But when she gives the, the after-show cameras access into the way she's feeling and she's crying, she's exhausted, um, telling you everything she needs to get done for the day, what have you, hopefully it just lets you know that this glossy one-hour show, there's so much that goes into it. Um, I used to stick around for the after-show, but... I also have a life, so by the time they start taping, I dash. So don't <laughs> see me run for the door. A, like, I just can't be caught up with her wanting to chat, but my job's done. I've got things to do. I've got to go. So the days when you catch me, I'll wave to the camera and know that I love you. But I've got dry cleaning to pick up. Yes. <laughs> and then also, it's like, I, I work with Wendy, and I want to also let folks know I style other things as well. Um, Wendy's being my, my number one client, but I still do jobs for, for Nylon Magazine and other magazines editorially still have ad jobs so i love the fact that i have this long long um running job with wendy and she'll forever be my client as long as she'll she'll have me but then it's also nice to diversify and have other things like so i will i tend not to post as much on instagram which i'm terrible or awful about my social media but i put other stuff out there just so people can also realize that Wendy is one, but one part of the the day, and then I'm running off to another photo shoot. So I'm running off to to another client's consultation. It's just that a lot of people know me through Wendy, and hopefully they then can follow and see that it's not just about the one job. We're all we're all juggling a million things, just as we all in New York have to do. Not just New York, across the world. Goddamn it! This is this thing's a hustle. <laughs> yes. Well, I appreciate you taking um, your time out to to juggle with us a little bit. No uh, worries. I was supposed to call earlier, as you know, and it just has been one of those things. I'm glad we finally got on on the phone. And 
if there's any follow-up questions, we could do this another time. I know you sent me a list of things that we were possibly going to talk about. Hopefully, this long, meandering conversation has covered a lot of it. <laughs> no, no, it's it's been fantastic. And I do just have to say thank you. Um, please tell Wendy that uh, I love her, basically, and I really just admire I admire her tenacity. And if Yay. if she rem- if she remembers, which she she might, I am the gentleman in San Antonio that when I came to say hello to her, I was wearing very tight pink pants with my. Dick no, no, no! I remember the tight pink pants, and you, <laughs> I don't know, you didn't have undergarments on, so everything was flopping a little too much there, a little too much. And listen, I whatever to get her attention, okay? And she <laughs> and she didn't she didn't say she didn't say one yes. word. She didn't say one word to me. And she just looked. Listen, she just looked down and. And shook she's, her head with a smile, and I loved it. She's seen a lot, so she's in Baton <laughs> Island, and same thing here. We saw you come again, obviously. The fact that I'm on the phone with you, um, how many years later, shows that you made clearly a searing, positively searing impression. So, congratulations on the job. Um, I think it's fantastic. I listened to your other podcast. I think it's great. And thanks for everyone who's listening out there at Memso on Instagram because I'm trying to do better on my social media. Um, and yeah, just stay in touch. All right. Love you loads. Love you. Have I'm a good one, Memsor. I'm watching a man changing to a swimsuit and lime green rollerblades in Union Square. Uh, when you see stuff like that, no wonder we don't bat an eyelid when you see someone in pants with tight uh, <laughs> Everyone, Everyone in New York is hot and naked. I love it. <laughs> Thank- Listen, let me go back and join the nakedness. I'll talk yes. to you later. Bye, everyone. Bye, Memsor. Thank you. Okay, bye, because bye. Yes, that was Mimsor Kamarake, uh, a.k.a. the head stylist on the Wendy Williams Show, and as you heard, a stylist to to many. Um, Make sure to follow Mimsor at Mimsor on everything. That's M-E-M-S-O-R, no last name needed, on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure, and check out the Wendy Williams Show. It's all online. It's all on YouTube. It's all free, including the after show. Every single episode from every year. So check out the Wendy Williams Show. Um, Google Memsor. Memsor Kamarake. You can pretty much just Google Memsor and he's the only one that pops up to see whatever else he's up to. Um, definitely make sure to please, please follow um, us on Instagram. Also, the Wayne Holtz Podcast. That's W-A-Y-N-E-H-O-L-T-Z podcast uh at wayne podcast on twitter and then follow me on instagram at wayne holtz underscore and at wayne holtz on twitter just to keep up with what's going on you never know what's going to be happening let me tell you we've got some good people coming up in the next few weeks on the wayne holtz podcast once oh excuse me girl you know those that sandwich is coming up and once again we are recording uh at the rte studios in san antonio texas with our sound engineer and recorder and just friend of the show nick shan in the booth and we appreciate all of our listeners also follow nick on on instagram at nick shan 111 and just have a lovely day subscribe to the podcast guys tell your friends uh it's only going to get better from here Have a beautiful day, stay productive, stay happy, stay enlightened, and we'll see you next time. Please enjoy your life. Here's A Minute with Mark by me, Wayne Holtz. When it comes to looks and smarts, I'll give you five out of five kisses. Every time I hear you mock, I wish that I can be your missus. Love.
Give my minute with Mars. 